Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC sports. Let's go. Happy Tuesday, everyone, and welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast. Mac, it's officially time to preview every single team in this great Atlantic Coast Conference. It's very exciting. We're getting into August. Mac, I know you're ready. It truly feels like football season is right around the corner. It 1,000% does, Kelly Gramlich. It is talking season. It's kind of been talking season, but now officially, since this podcast is is, uh, celebrating it, it's officially talking season. Let's go. Officially official. And Mac made our schedule here. So we're going to be putting out two episodes per week here in August, previewing every single team, two teams per episode. And I believe you did this. We're going to start with the two teams that finished last, last year that finished at the bottom. We're going to start with Duke and Syracuse today. And uh, we got a lot to preview with both of these schools. But was that your reasoning, Mac? Yeah, it's kind of my order a predicted finish slash my first uh, power rankings, if you will. Uh, so, yeah, so as we get closer to football season, it should be better teams that we're talking about. So, Duke and Syracuse, love you guys, but you're first on the list. Okay, well, let's start with the Duke Blue Devils, Mac, and we'll see if things can improve from last year. Last year in 2020, they finished 2-9, and 1-9 and nine in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Only wins last year versus... Syracuse, the other team we're talking about today. They beat them 38 to 24 and they beat Charlotte 53 to 19. They did lose their last two games to Miami and Florida State by a combined score of 104 to 35. They lost to Miami 48 to nothing. They did score 35 on FSU, but they gave up 56. Um, so overall, Mac, when you look at Duke last year, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Is it the turnover issues? <laughs> yes, it was. It was the turnover issues. It was averaging like four a game. It was mind-blowing, whether it was fumbles, interceptions, uh, just literally gift-wrapping the football, Kelly, and handing it to the other team. you got great momentum. You're driving. You're on the the goal line or in the red zone. Pick. And and it was just almost predictable. Anytime anything good was about to happen to Duke, it was like, well, here comes the turnover. You can just kind of bank on it, and surely that's exactly what happened. And, And, you know, we've spoken to Cutcliffe many a times, you know, I hosted Packer and Durham a couple of weeks ago, and we talked to him, and he said that's the first thing that everyone brings up is the turnovers. And he said, I have never focused on not turning the ball over ball security more in my life in a spring football than we did this year. So, you know, I expect Duke to really be improved in that turnover margin uh, and, and maybe even lead the country, Kelly. So with that in mind, it should be a big turnaround uh, for Duke in regards to the turnovers. Now, does that translate to wins? Maybe not. Right. And, you know, that's that's a good sign that Cutcliffe at least is addressing this issue because when you throw 19 picks and you lose 20 fumbles, that's something you need to address. 39 turnovers last year. You know what I would do, Kelly? If we threw a pick in spring practice, we'd stop everything and the offense would run. Ooh. That's what I would do. Ooh. I, I would ingrain it in everyone's brain that, this is not good. This is not acceptable. You know, some people say, yeah, we want them to throw picks in practice so they can learn. Nope, I don't. Nope. I want you to learn in the film room and not make the mistakes on the field. So I don't know if they did that, but, uh, you know, that would have been my uh, suggestion there. 
And if you're a Duke DB, do you feel bad? You're like, oh, shoot. No, I, I want to make again. those guys run forever. <laughs> no, no, no. I want them to suffer. And I'm trying, I'm going that much harder. I mean, think how more competitive yeah. that would be. Yeah, true. All right. Well, let's start with some of the bright spots for Duke. Mateo Durant, preseason all ACC running back. Last year, he averaged 6.8 yards per carry, 817 rushing yards, eight touchdowns. You know, it it means a lot that this guy was first-team All-ACC. I voted him. He's the only Duke player on any list. I think he's going to have to do so much for them this season. What makes Mateo Durant special, Matt? Yeah, well, number one is is his ability to see uh, where the gaps are, kind of find the holes very quickly. If you watch any of his film, he is a great running back and really identifies kind of, okay, option A is an open, here's B, C, D, and I can hit it. And he just explodes through the line of scrimmage. You see his average there, 6.8 yards per carry last season, and he's not splitting reps anymore. You know, he, he had to do that a year ago. Now he's going to be the guy. Uh, I, I, there, I'm i sure there's someone else in the wing, but he is going to be the primary running back, get a bulk of the carries. Uh, and, and so I expect him to have a really big year. You know, we just did our ACC, you know, kind of previews on the network a couple of days ago, a week ago or so. And, you know, there was a question proposed do you think he will be a top three running back in terms of yards? And I think yes, just because, again, Duke is going to feed him the football. So he's that good of a player, first team, all ACC preseason. I think he's going to be there at the end of the season as well. Well, I'm excited to watch Mateo Durant. And I think it is, it is. you could say there's a knock on him. And I thought about this not voting him because we know so little about what Duke's passing game is going to look like. So our team's just going to stack the box and sell out to stop the run because you've got a kid named Gunnar Holmberg who is a grad student, but he hasn't transferred. He's been at Duke the whole time. He's had injuries. Mac, what do we know about Gunnar Holmberg? Yeah, well, the good thing is, uh, again, with a quarterback like this who you don't really know is there's not film on him. So you think of the advantage that you have now if you're Duke that, okay, we might have this one-year wonder, however many years of, of eligibility he has left, that, okay, they don't know how to prepare. And, and Coach is very uh, adamant, Coach Cutcliffe, in, in saying that he is a dual threat. We are going to run him, uh, he, saying that he's like a sub-4-7 guy, which is great speed for the quarterback position. So if you stack the box, are, are you going to get caught you know, kind of with your pants down a little bit and the quarterback going out the back door? So it's going to be interesting to see how do they use him Again, the biggest thing, Kelly, is just the turnovers. Do not have 19 picks. Like You can control that. Uh, and, and, of course, they have a great wide receiver core as well that I think can really kind of help offset these type of things. So with Gunner, it's got to be a thing that, okay, okay, don't turn the ball over first and foremost, and then just be able to make plays. I mean, you, if you look at PFF's kind of breakdown and they kind of have you know his targets and where he was above average, below average, a rare thing for a college quarterback is to be below average, kind of on the outside, the fade ball. Normally, guys can throw mm-hmm. you know, the fade, and, and he struggled with that. He was great over the middle. He was great kind of in intermediate routes. To take his game really to the next uh, you know, step, he's got to be able to throw that deep ball. So it's going to be interesting to see, can he kind of make this development, take those strides? Now having a full offseason as the uh, presumptive starter, you know, I, surely things can happen, but you know, getting those extra reps with your guys, no COVID to really ruin things to a certain extent. will be interesting to see his progression. We're going to talk about Duke's schedule as we get to their win total at the end. We're going to give you a play on the number of what we think about Duke's win total. 
Let's talk about their defense, Mac. And look, last year, I remember you talking about Victor DiMichegi a lot and Chris Rumpf and, and those guys combined for 15 and a half sacks last year. They have to replace them. And this defense was terrible. They gave up 38 points per game. That's dead last in the ACC. How much can this defense improve? It is nuts, Kelly, to look at the individual talent that this defense had in the secondary, up front. I mean, one of the best pass-rushing duos in the country, statistically, opinion-wise. You're just flat-out watching the game. You kind of see that happening. So now they're going to one of the worst pass rushes. All their DBs are pretty much gone. It's going to be very interesting to see. You're going to see either great coaching or big-time faults. I mean, you're talking <laughs> about Michael Carter, uh, Mark Gilbert, and, and I think one other young man, all gone. And, and so now it's like, okay, who's left? And who's left is Josh Blackwell, who, you know, unfortunately was out for most of last season with a meniscus injury. The good thing is that he is back, and so he should be a shining light for this Duke defense. But overall, Kelly, it might be more of the same. It's going to be a struggle. There's no question to me that this offense is going to have to put up points uh, for, for Duke to be in games, for Duke to win games. And I just don't know. You know, again, I think they have great coordinators. I think they have really good coaches. But it's going to be a struggle this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I was also looking up some of their special team stuff. They're very solid on special teams. Would you kind of guess that? I mean, a school like Duke, (laughs) we're going to have special teams in order, right? I mean, you kind of assume that. (laughs) You got to. So they have a really good field goal kicker, great punter. So if they don't make mistakes there, again, turnovers are an issue. And you've got to be able to score some more points. I guess looking at it for Duke, I know they were picked seventh in the Coastal. Is this a team that you can even hope could make a bowl? Are you in that realm at all? I don't think so. I mean, looking at this schedule, I I, I see four, maybe three winnable games. Actually, no, I'll (laughs) say four. I see four winnable games, uh, maybe one toss-up, and then the others – it's kind of a hardcore loss. So maybe you're looking at five wins, best case scenario. Yeah. And of course, obviously, guys, anything can happen. But I'm just saying five games, best case scenario. But there's there's some bright spots on this team too, Kelly, that again, that's been the strange thing with Duke is there is talent. There is right. guys who are translating to, there are guys who are translating to the NFL, playing for a little while and, and having success. I think of Jake Bobo, I think of Jalen Calhoun, two great wide receivers that have shown flashes of brilliance. And then there's, okay, I I try to catch it, I tip it, it's a pick. And so consistency is going to be a theme with all of these teams early on while we're doing these. But that's just going to be the biggest thing uh, you know, with Duke is, okay, can we put together a consistent basis? So if they can do that, maybe. And I think that would be a giant win, coach of the year type stuff, if Duke is in a bowl game. But I just don't really see it. Well, speaking of the schedule, this is I'm going to kind of point out the game that I'm most intrigued by, especially some of these non-conference games, because the ACC has so many important non-conference matchups in September this year for the sake of the conference, for the soul (laughs) of the league, especially during this crazy realignment time. Mac, mark your calendar. Circle this date. September 25th, Duke hosts Kansas. You cannot lose this football game, Duke, for the sake of the Atlantic Coast Conference. Nay, the entire Atlantic <laughs> Coast portion of this great nation. You cannot lose to Kansas. Who just, you lost, see it this who way, just lost to Kansas, by the way? Was it Syracuse? Was it Virginia Tech? 
Who lost to Kansas last year? All right, we're going to take a brief pause and find find this really quick. Did Kansas win a game? No, they went 0 for last year. Two years ago. They went 0 for last year. Who did they beat two years ago? Somebody. It was very embarrassing. We're going to figure this out. They beat Boston College two years ago. Oh, no. That's what it was. And that that was probably the nail in Adazio's coffin right there. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm glad, you know, thank you to Research, a.k.a. Kelly Grant, for finding <laughs> that. But, yes, I have this game circled. Absolutely. Kansas is the worst football team in the country, outside of maybe UConn, who Clemson plays for some wild <laughs> reason. Uh, but, yeah, I'm talking about, like, they should be an FCS. Uh, so, yes. Do not lose this game. I will blast you on TV if you do it. That is a threat and a promise. Uh, so, yeah, I, I have this game circled. But I also have the Northwestern game ah. circled because it's kind of battle of the brains. I think Northwestern is a much better football team right now. But it's going to be fun. And our guy, you know, Commissioner Jim Phillips, that's his, uh, that's his squad. So I hope we throttle him and welcome him to the ACC officially. And if Duke can find a way and the Northwestern finishes 7-5 and five or something, that's, That's something you can win. hold over the Big Ten. Yeah, and That's we love right. doing that. Absolutely. All right, Mac, we got to put our Vegas hats on here. The win total for Duke is three and a half. You just talked about their schedule. You see four. This is why Vegas is so good That's and so right. difficult. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'll am gonna. i give you my play as well, but if you had to on this, and most likely with three and a half, you probably wouldn't take this number, but if you had to, what would you do with this three and a half? You know, I would. I would play with this number, and I'm going over. I think they will. Yeah. I think they'll get to four, and I think three and a half is a great number. If it was four even, then I would be like, eh, maybe, but three and a half, I'm doing it. I think I'm going the over here. I think they've got a great shot uh, against maybe a Georgia Tech or a Northwestern uh, to get that fourth win. So that'll be what I'm really looking at. This back half of the schedule, though, Virginia, Wake, Pitt, Virginia Tech, Louisville, Miami, ain't looking good. And uh, North Carolina is kind of in the middle of all of that. So it is a rivalry game. You never know what could quite happen. But I'm going with four wins, looking at Charlotte, North Carolina, A&T, uh, maybe Northwestern, Kansas, and then maybe Georgia Tech. So that's right there. I'm feeling good about my number. I agree. I think this is an over. Charlotte, A&T, Kansas. Duke should be Kansas. That's three. And then you can find a way to get one that's more right. as long as Mateo Durant is healthy. I, I really think this is an over. I think people should I agree. That. Go to Vegas That's now. Right. And, um, That's a guarantee. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my burning question with Duke before we go over to Syracuse, and this is something that is really pure speculation, but David Cutcliffe, he's now, this is his 14th year at Duke. He's been coaching for a very long time. Is this his last season? How do you feel about that, Mac? Are you telling me that they only win three seasons and three games and this is his last season? Or what's the, See, is there a hypothetical here? Right. If if they make a bowl, I feel like you got to ride off into the sunset. Right. If they have another really tough year, I don't know. It just feels like Cutliffe did incredible things at he Duke did. at the early part of this decade. No one can take that away from him. They played for an ACC title. Like, come on, they won the division. But it just feels like it may be time. Yeah, and this is what I don't want to happen. I do not want anyone to even think about tarnishing this man's name. What he no. has done for Duke football would not have been able to be replicated by anyone else. I mean, this guy comes from SEC royalty, national championships, great quarterbacks, as it's always mentioned in the Manning brothers, uh, and still the connection that he has with them. Uh, Having a first-round draft pick at quarterback here at Duke with Daniel Jones, it's something that would never have been on anyone's 
horizon that Duke would be able to accomplish this. So I don't want two bad years in a row to everyone say, this guy is trash, he's bad for Duke, Duke needs to fire him. Duke should never fire him. Now, they might ask him, say, hey, coach, we we think it's time to move on, and he steps down. But if they publicly fire him, it will be a giant black mark on Duke's name, I think, if they do that. And so that's kind of where you get. If you have a bad season, Kelly, is it, okay, now I'm kind of tarnishing my reputation here just because of public opinion and which is crazy to think about. So I don't know. It's, it's hard to say, you know, I I do not want that to happen. So if if that's the case and he, you know, decides to step away, but he's in the best shape of his life. He's happy as he's ever been. He's excited about this season. And if he thinks he can still go and still make an impact in young men's lives, I think he should keep going. So it's something that's very interesting and, and a tough conversation for anybody. Yeah. Duke should never, they couldn't. They would never be very get rid foolish. of him without that being a mutual mutual decision. Okay, Mac, it is time to talk about the Syracuse Ooh. Orange, another team that really struggled last year. Just so it's clear, so no one no one is confused here, Syracuse is like the last place team here. I know we talked about Duke first, but Syracuse, sadly, you're in dead last right now. So you have them below Duke in your power rankings. There might even be a space and then Syracuse. Oh, no. Like a 15th team, like if Notre Dame was still in. They're 15th in a 14th team race. Okay, well, let's see if you can say some nice things about them. <laughs> so last year, Syracuse went 1-10, and 1-9 in the ACC. Their only win was against Georgia Tech, 37-20 to 20 early in the year. And here's the number to know with Cuse. They only averaged 17.8 points per game last season, which is just unbelievable. No one on any preseason All-ACC teams, like we said, picked seventh in the Atlantic. The way I look at Syracuse this year, Mac, if they're going to have any chance to really save Dino Babers' job is probably the way we're looking at it. Dino Babers has to be able to turn one of these quarterbacks into something, into someone that can be a solid game manager. And maybe it's a two-quarterback system. What were you hearing about the Tommy DeVito and Garrett Schrader battle? You know what's interesting? Coach did not even mention Garrett Schrader at ACC Media mm. Day at all. And it was very surprising because we had heard such great things about the spring and that he was super excited, and then there was no mention. And, and, and not to say that he didn't mention Tommy either, but he did say, we want whoever goes out there week one as our starter, which maybe it's not decided yet, to be the guy the entire season. He says when we can go through a season and have a singular guy, which, by the way, that's only Tony Dungy, or Eric Dungy, excuse me. Love Tony. Tony Dungy Tony. played quarterback for Syracuse? <laughs> that's right. Um, <laughs> then they've been successful. They've had winning seasons. He's, a for Syracuse, a generational-type player. So I think that's a little skewed when you say that, but it yeah. just goes to show you that when there's not consistency at a position – it causes ripple effects throughout the entire team. And you know what's even more interesting than that, Kelly? Our first week on the network, I did this awesome video how Tommy DeVito was about to take the ACC by storm. And if you look statistically, everything that he had done the year before that kind of proved that, okay, this he's going to have a big year. His deep ball was lights out. Anytime he threw a fade, it was a touchdown. His elusiveness with his legs – He was just, he was this guy. He was the next up. And then he goes in there, not protected at all, gets blasted every other play, throwing picks left and right. And it just never came to fruition. So it's going to be very interesting to see, does he kind of have this final finale, this grand finale moment where he is that guy. He is that four-star, that elite 11 
I don't know if he was MVP or what, but that guy, or is it just more of the same? And and does Garrett Schrader, who again, a four-star guy, a very dual threat, active quarterback comes in and maybe takes over. So I have no clue what the quarterback battle is going to look like. Is it going to be the young freshman from a year ago, now a sophomore uh, that got some snaps for Syracuse at the end of the year? I have no clue, but they need to figure it out. They need consistency and they need somebody who can be a true quarterback one for the entire season. We can't be rotating, subbing guys in and out. What worries me about Dino Babers at Syracuse is that he has truly been a one quarterback guy and that that's concerning. I mean, when you can't, it's been years now since Eric Dungy and I feel like Tommy DeVito's, we've been talking about him for years as, okay, this could be the year. That's always a concern when you've only had success truly with one quarterback. They have, you, you bring up the O-line Mac. They've brought in a lot of guys via the transfer portal and things like that. And a new coach. Is it going to get any better? No, I don't think so. Oh, no. um, and, oh, no. and here's the here's the poor Tommy. Uh, yeah, poor Tommy. Look out! It's going to be a lot of lookout blocks. Um, oh, no. Here's the deal: when you have, when you're so bad at a position, it's not an overnight thing, and it's especially not an overnight thing for the offensive line. That is something that takes time. It takes continuity. They have guys that have played a ton, and it just doesn't make sense that it never is translating to the field, and it's never you know, doing anything to show progression and it's sack after sack. And again, it's not all on the offensive line. Sometimes quarterback has to get rid of the ball and throw the ball away, but a lot of it is. And, and it's something that, uh, I don't know, Kelly, I think it's going to be more of the same, to be quite honest with you. Well, let's look at the defense. And I found this to be really interesting, Mac, because last year, Tony White comes in and he installs a three-three-five scheme and you don't really have a spring. How difficult would that be? for a young defense to learn a whole new scheme and how much improvement can they have in year two of this three, three, five. Right. You, you don't have a spring. You're not able to meet as a position group. You're doing everything via zoom and you're learning an entire new defense. That mm. is not a normal defense. This is kind of a new wave that we're getting into with this three, three, five. It was very difficult. And, and I couldn't imagine trying to learn that way, especially if I was a young guy like Garrett Williams, a, a young guy like Mikel Jones. I mean, I could not imagine being, you know, a leader on this team and having to redo all of that stuff. But those two guys were shining lights and they were tremendous. You know, Mikel Jones had four forced fumbles, four interceptions, led the ACC uh, in turnovers and creating turnovers. And then Garrett Williams was a lockdown guy. I mean, even against Clemson, had a pick six. He, he is that good of an athlete uh, to where he is a big time uh, cornerback. So I expect those guys to, again, get better and better. I am actually excited about the defense, Kelly, as crazy as that seems with the Syracuse team. I think the 3-3-5 is a very hard defense to go against. Number one, it's hard to pass against. There's just bodies everywhere. Number two, it's hard to run against because you can't really target who you're going after. Think about just being an offensive lineman, sitting there and looking out and just seeing guys everywhere. You don't have four down linemen right in front where you say, okay, we have this guy, we're going to this linebacker. They're everywhere. And so it's kind of like, we're just kind of going to move right and hope we collect something uh, along the way. But then you have blitzes, you have exotic schemes. So I think that if there is something that can save this season, if there's something that can win Syracuse games, it's the defense. And it's going to be them creating turnovers, creating easy field position where they can at least get field goals and maybe even scoring points. Because I think that, again, they have that many playmakers Garrett Williams, I just mentioned, Jones at linebacker, Eric Conley at, at safety. 
I think those three are going to be really, really good and make a ton of plays for the Syracuse defense. And Syracuse has really under Babers have a really good tradition of producing solid DBs that end up in the league and Andre Sisco from last year, things like that. So I feel like their secondary, that's part of why they're going to this 3-3-5 in some ways, Mac, right? Because secondary has been a strength for them. So let's put five guys out there that can really be ball hawks. Right. And it's just, it's a little bit easier to recruit. It's hard to find elite defense and offensive linemen. The line of scrimmage is getting harder and harder to recruit, especially as there is this big, you know, kind of gap in between college football of the Clemson's, Ohio State's, Bama's, Oklahoma's, that they're kind of getting all those guys. And, And even just, if you look at high school generally in the last 10 years, there's not that many elite offensive linemen. It's just a hard position. You more develop into it. So, and defense, excuse me, linemen. So you might as well just go get a bunch of athletes and have the most athletes you can on the field. And that's exactly what Syracuse has done. That makes a lot of sense, Mac. That's really good insight. I didn't, I didn't think about it that way, but that makes a ton of sense. If you're a program that's middle or lower in your league, you might as well do that. Now let's talk about their win total. Three and a half. Another non-conference, really two non-conference games for the soul of the league. You've got Syracuse Rutgers, but Rutgers has improved. Rutgers was better last year. And then you've got Syracuse Liberty, which is very concerning with how good Liberty has been. So when I see those two non-con games and I see this win total at three and a half, I feel like you got to go under. What do you think, Mac? I'm going way under. I think opening up with Ohio is going to be tough. They just had their like one of the greatest coaches in all of football retire, so they're going to want to play out of their minds for that game and get a big win for him. Uh, and then, like you said, Rutgers with Coach Ciano and what they're doing and how they've evolved into you know not a powerhouse, but certainly that kind of you know thorn in your side if you're the Big Ten and maybe they're rising up to win a couple of those games. And then Liberty, who has probably one of the most exciting quarterbacks in all of G5 that a lot of people think can play his way into the first round of the NFL draft. So good luck with that. And then the ACC schedule doesn't get any easier. You know, wait, or excuse me, Florida State, no clue what they're going to look like this year, but I'm sure that'll be a battle. Wake's going to have a ton of offense, so maybe that plays into your hands. And then you go Clemson, Virginia Tech, Boston College. Not a great stretch. So I'm going under here. Again, I see one guaranteed win. I hope the defense can find a way, Kelly, to get more than that because I cannot imagine going one and nine, one and ten, one and eleven back to back years and seeing what that looks like. So it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be very tough for Syracuse. It's amazing because Dino Babers a is one of the most likable coaches in the league, and you know he has a win over Clemson. He has another game where they push Clemson to the brink. He has a ten win season to see how much Syracuse has fallen. I feel like this is not all on Dino. There are other things that happened where you had some opt-outs last year with COVID. You've had a lot of injuries, of course. And maybe Syracuse is just more difficult to recruit to than people gave Dino credit for. Dino's a great recruiter, but there's a reason why Syracuse hasn't been very good over the last 20 years. It's just a tough place to recruit kids to go play football. Yeah, there's no question about it. And again, injury bug. I mean, they've got slammed with that throughout the offensive line, throughout their defense from time to time. Uh, And and it's frustrating and it's hard. And, And again, when you're changing your defense in a COVID year and being able to teach that the way you want, and you just can't. So you know, again, if there's a shining light, it's the defense. It's those couple of players I mentioned, and then of course, offensively, you know, Taj Harris is a guy that can really 
impact the game. I mean, he he's a guy that loves to run go routes. He had three touchdowns running fades last year of his four total. Uh, so so a guy that can do it for you, but you got to be able to protect and get him the ball. So does that happen? We'll see. It's 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 again. It's going to be a, I think a defining season for Syracuse. And this is where you got to listen to us and know that Vegas doesn't really have its pulse on what's going on in the ACC. I mean, they're they're a little right. more um, a little more broad. But the fact that Duke and Syracuse have the same win total is very telling. So th- those so. are our plays on the number: <laughs> Duke over the three and a half, Syracuse under the three and a half. We both feel pretty confident about both of those. But Mac, this was fun. Duke and Syracuse, our first preview episode. Coming up on Thursday, we have Florida State and Georgia Tech. So get ready for that episode. And then we're going to keep going. Two teams per episode. Until we get up to the first week of the season, we'll talk two teams there. We'll also have a guest. We'll, we'll start getting back to our three episodes per week. But it is football season. We are so hyped up. Cannot wait. This has been a really fun episode. Breaking down two teams that might, may not be great. But those win totals, take those to the bank. That's right. And you know what? They're great to their fans. And I hope you guys listen to this. I hope you find some you know, fun things that maybe you didn't think about for your team. It's going to be overall, it's going to be a fun ACC season. So great to kick it off. Really excited to, uh, to get jumping in on these guys. Uh, guys, do us a favor. Go check out our producer's podcast, Rich Take on Sports. He does such a great job with us, making us sound so good. There were, there was a couple of fumbles and stumbles in this episode. He'll be sure to clean those up for us and, and make us sound perfect. But his podcast is great. He has a ton of stuff. Uh, any story, any kind of uh, you know way of life you want to figure out through sports, he's got to interview with somebody who's been through it. So go do yourself a favor. Check out his podcast, Rich Take on Sports, anywhere you get your podcast. I promise you'll enjoy it. But that's it for this episode of Gramlick and McLane. We always appreciate you guys listening. If you haven't already, go over to iTunes, subscribe to our podcast, drop us a little five-star rating or write us a review. It's always fun to hear from you guys. But until next time, we'll see y'all.